All right, everybody, welcome to the CrushCast. This is being recorded December of 2020, so we're still in a COVID world with great optimism for vaccinations and a healthy future. Today, we've got Stephen Dunbar and a first ever guest, his son, Gordon Dunbar. Stephen is our EVP in Georgia, also effective January 1, a functional director for diversity and inclusion. Today though, totally different. We're gonna talk about December 18th. Stephen and Gordon, can you share what you did that day? That day we started at 4 a.m. and ran 50 miles for a charity that I sit on the board of called Wellspring Living. And where did the idea come from? Everybody's in lockdown. Not everybody's thinking about going and doing a 50 miler. So what is the origin story of this challenge? Well, I'll let Gordon share his version of it, but basically over time, I've always gone a little bit further, right? So in law school was the first time that I was taken to the track by some classmates and I went around the track once and I had to stop. I was gasping for air. I was totally out of shape. My initial goal was a 10K, then I did a marathon, uh, and I've always- Sub won. three, sub three marathon. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You go sub to Steven's three. office and it's up on the wall and it stopped me in my tracks and he's like, oh, that was a long time ago. And I was like, I would talk about that nonstop. So sub three <laughs> is not messing around. So this was just an evolution. It was the next thing of what's the next opportunity to push ourselves. Um, and Gordon, you can share because I know you did the marathon. Event. Yeah, I think um, I guess I've inherited it, but <laughs> it was really uh, I thought it through as much as as much as my dad did. I think it was more of a he was doing it and I wanted to try it. And um, I kind of just tagged along. Now, yeah. so earlier this year, you ran a marathon together. He did. So you did one. Yeah. When was yours? Yes. October, uh, October of last year. October of last year. He did his. Okay. Marathon, and then I did mine. When was my marathon? That was March. That was March of this year. I did my marathon March of this year, which was my third marathon. So now the discussion moves to let's do something more. Yeah. And then when did Wellspring get into the picture? Yeah. So Wellspring, Damien and I have been on the board of Wellspring for about three years at this point. And for me, Jim, okay, so most people think of generosity as primarily a financial thing. Let me write a check. But for me, generosity has three levels to it. It's financial, but then it's also time. And it's also how do I use my talent? So I'm always looking for ways to improve the, the condition of Wellspring by tapping into those three levels of generosity. So when the, the, goal, when the goal was set to run a 50, immediately my thought was, well, let's leverage it for visibility for Wellspring and for raising funds for Wellspring with this notion that the time I would take to prepare for it was yet another way that I could be investing in Wellspring. I would imagine many that are listening do not know about Wellspring. So can you share what the organization does? Sure, so Wellspring Living is a recovery organization. So basically what they do is they work with young, primarily women, but there are some men. The ages tend to be as young as nine and they get as high as in some cases 19 or 20. These are primarily, again, women, but some men that have been rescued from sex trafficking, either by police officers or by private raids that are put together. They get rescued from sex trafficking and then Wellspring takes them in literally 
engages in emergency care, first from a psychological perspective, then there's physical care, and then there's counseling to take these uh, young individuals and put them back on their feet. And there's no greater success story than someone who has been in that life becoming a mom or a dad with kids fully functioning and well-adjusted. It is the most remarkable thing to see that kind of rescue. And what I always think, Jim, is when I think of these young men and women, for me, the cure for cancer could be in one of their minds and hearts. The cure for maybe Lou Gehrig's disease is there. There's, there are things embedded in these young men and women that we would never benefit from as a society, let alone them having a more productive and fulfilling life. So the stakes are high and it drives me. So you found some strength and some inspiration in doing something for others. And so this, this crazy concept of let's do a 50 because it's more, but it's not let's do a 50. Let's do a 50 and then do something for others. Yes, definitely. In fact, you remember that we were running and Wellspring would, t- every, every about eight or nine miles, they put a different pair of people with us just to take us, they took um, us for the first 25 miles that way. And at one, one point, uh, what did she say? What did Sarah say? About the one, young of the, woman. one of the girls said that we were her saviors. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and of course, Gordon and I are trying to run a marathon. We're both almost we're tearing up at that point. Yeah. It, it was incredible. It was really incredible. There was no way we were not finishing when she said that. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Well, that decision was made the night before. So it's 4 a.m. Friday, December 18th. It's dark. I saw a snapshot of you both. You're both smiling. Gordon, what did that feel like? Um, so I don't know. I just finished my uh, first semester of my second year of law school for pretty much four days prior to that. It was my last final. Um, okay. Kind of just I landed in Atlanta. Had like a day or two to kind of relax and 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 talk to my parents, and then we were kind of outside at four a.m. So I don't know if I was I don't know if I was thinking <laughs> much, um, but it did it did it was very quiet. I remember being very quiet, and I guess I didn't really fully take in the moment until they started running with us and we started hearing the stories because yeah. yeah. I've been detached from the process of organizing and fundraising and doing all the things that go prior to the race. So I guess in a way I kind of just showed up and then, you know, it was time to go. And then we started hearing the stories and hearing everything that went into it. And that's when I kind of really locked in and and got motivated to do it, to finish. It was a stretch goal that became something about inspiring and doing something for others. And then along the way, you both became inspired In, in terms of the physical demand itself. Were there moments where either of you thought, mm, not sure this is gonna, this is gonna be something I can finish? Yeah, definitely. They're both laughing. I'll, I'll, I'll let the boss go first. No, no, you go. <laughs> yeah, it did, it did. So I think it was mile 28 or 29. And we had just eaten a sandwich or something at a rest, at a rest or a stop that we organized. But then, I don't know, I guess my body was just in overdrive because I burned through the sandwich faster than expected. So. There was a moment where I had to stop and sit on a bench and eat, you know, the pack, the snacks that I had in my backpack. And that was when I was, you know, there was a moment where I didn't think I was going to finish, but he kept running. So then I felt the need to catch up to him. So I eventually caught up. So this was, you just ran. You, it wasn't a pep talk. You just ran. Yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he said, he said, he's, it was literally like he hit a physical wall. He said, I got to eat something. He just sat and there happened to be a bench there. Yeah. So I stopped for a second. I looked at him and I, and I, after the fact, Jim, I thought about this, but to, I'd stop and I just kept running because it was the best thing I could do for both of us. Because if yeah. I sat next to him yeah. as supporting him, I think it would have crashed. But the best thing I could do was just keep moving. And then here he was about 
45 seconds later right next to me. And he, that was just the only wall you hit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then mine was, mine was 34 or five. And I made the mistake of not having a sandwich at one of the rest stops. And I hit the wall. I mean, the full on panting. And what did that feel like? Uh, miserable, miserable. It was, it was, it was like I was running through uh, quicksand or mud. It was physically almost impossible to move myself forward. And I had to, I had to, I, think I was running, but I was probably not at that point because it was so difficult to just move forward. And I had to eat some supplements that I had. So I had a like paleo bar and some apples. Mm -hmm. And in about a quarter of a mile, half a mile, it kicked in and I got through it. And then we, at that point, we both, we were both okay. I mean, it was still painful physically, but we were both okay. For both of you, you ran into a nutritional deficit. Yes. Sure. But then also you had to have the mental strength to keep going. All right. Now let's say you're in the last five or 10 miles. Was there a point where it started to dawn on each of you that you were going to accomplish this? And what did that feel like? So the, right around 45 miles, we actually sent you a picture of it. That's yep. when we knew we were going to make it. Because at that point, you've got about four and a half, five miles left. It was our last stop. We hooked up with Jamie and some fluids and all that. We knew we were going to make it. That's why we were laughing in the picture as we approached that stop, because we knew we were going to make it. And at that point, for me, it's I started to think about the young women and the young men. And I started to think about the comments. And it was, it was actually probably the most emotional part of the race for me because I went into this knowing there would be awareness and there would be money raised. What I didn't anticipate was it literally emotionally and mentally lifting these young men and women. In fact, one of them, she said, you have shown me that anything is possible and I'm gonna keep moving forward. It totally overwhelmed me. All of that started to sink in in those last four miles or so. And it's, it's remarkable because the, so we had a break, it was, we were at 39. So right after you kind of had your, yeah. your moment and then we had a seven mile stretch, which was kind of one of the longer stretches that we had. Mm -hmm. Cause we had, um, it was like four, then five, then six maybe. And then there was a seven mile block. And during that seven mile block was the second hardest time of the race for me. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was an emotional time because I remember mentally, it was like, I know that I'm so close and I know that I'm almost there. Right. But this seven mile stretch is so hard and so difficult. Yeah. Um, and then when we got through that, and it's just a, a comment about you, like the hardest time came right before the realization that like, okay, we're there, Yeah. you know? Yeah. You know, pushing yourselves past what you thought was possible. You find out that you have strength. You did something for someone else who you actually inspired. So what's next? What are you thinking? <laughs> We already picked it. Funny you should ask. We are actually going to do 100 miles. A yes. Stretch. We're going to do that. The timing looks like August. There's a race we've identified in California. So Jamie, actually, our pit crew, is looking into the details this week. So that's what's next. It's exciting. Well, Gordon, Stephen, congratulations. A big year for your family. Uh, must have been really fun for a father and son to be out there together pushing yourselves, doing something meaningful for the community, inspiring others, inspiring each other. I applaud you both for that. Congratulations to you both, and thank you for sharing your inspirational story with everyone. Thank uh, you, you both crushed it. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you.